Okay, so Josh, my mic sounds nice, check one. My mic sounds nice, check one. My mic sounds nice, check two. My mic sounds nice, check three. My mic sounds nice, check four. My mic sounds nice, check five. My mic sounds nice, check six. Our mic sounds nice, check seven. Digital Gonzo, number 51, dated Thursday the 8th of December 2011. Bottom five movies. Ask a man for his top five films and he will experience a long and agonizing period of ponderous indecisiveness as every one of his favorites jostles for a position in this hallowed list. It's not that they're the best five films ever made on a technical scale. That's something of a dull and contentious argument involving cinematic mainstays like The Godfather, Casablanca and Citizen Kane. In fact, in Digital Cowboys episode number 56, Tony, Paul and I threw out those classics and listed our own top ten. Do you remember what was number one, Paul? I've forgotten, I'm afraid. I think it was LA Confidential. When hard-pressed to cite the films that affect them the most, a person will eventually settle on those that are personal, that speak to them on a deep and familiar level of identification. Often they'll be tied up with very significant points in that person's life. But the same surely must be true of the inverse. Our bottom five films are mostly not the worst on a technical scale. The cheapest, shoddiest and least inspiring films are likely to be titles you've never heard of and are lucky never to have seen. But there are stories that insult and upset us on an equally personal level as our top five delight us. Perhaps it's a sequel that's a perversion of a series that you love, an awful adaptation of a treasured book, or maybe they just hit you on a day when you were in a foul mood and it made it ten times worse. With me in this discussion are former digital cowboy Paul Plexshaw Shotton. Hello. From Game Burst and KDS 2.0, it's Neil Kid Dog Taylor. Hello. Hailing from Kane and Rince, it's Mr. Joshua Combine Hunter Garrity. Hello there. And from Dork Well, well, hello there. And from Dork Tunes, <laughs> Mr. Matt, Matt Harrier Ramsey. Good evening. So, gentlemen, this is pretty simple. We each have ten minutes to cite our bottom five movies and crucially explain why. That's an average of two minutes per movie, so please keep it short and sweet. To set the tone, I'm going to go first. Phew. Okay, so I'm giving myself ten minutes on this. <clears throat> Ready? Yep. Go. Okay, so Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. This is why this movie is a fucking atrocity. Okay, I've got nothing written down on here. I have no essays. It's just going to be a pure litany of hate from out of the, the top of my brain meets. Okay, I love the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory book. And uh, when I finally got to see uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the one with uh, Gene Wilder, I was kind of disappointed that it was a little bit shonky. But, I mean, I, I kind of liked the way Gene Wilder played uh, Willy Wonka. There's this brilliant moment when Violet Beauregard goes uh, for the gum and he goes, no, wait, stop. And it's in this kind of, yeah, yeah go on, uh, kind of way. He, it, it underlines the fact that this story is about Willy Wonka setting traps for these horrible, odious kids and just letting them hoist themselves on their own petard. And uh, the only th- time when he really get, plays out of fashion is when he screams at Charlie at the end because he stole fizzy lifting drinks, which was added for the movie for no real reason. And it, that was inaccurate to the character. And the character supposed to be sort of a dancing devilish type. They had a chance to uh, correct this when Tim Burton made uh, the Charlie Chocolate Factory, and he was the director I've been saying for years should have done it, and Johnny Depp was a, uh, a character actor that I figured yeah, absolutely he could really do it. So when they finally made it, 
it's interesting because the world is actually pretty good. There's there's a style to it. There's a there's a, a feel that they're trying to do something. It's got a kind of a sixties vibe to it, and everything's all sort of rounded and uh, it's 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 funky. And that would kind of fit in with the t- the era that uh, uh, Roald Dahl actually wrote the novel. However, when you get to Willy Wonka, rather than this sort of dancing devilish little uh, witty fellow, it's it's this weird reclusive charm molesting Michael Jackson type of guy. And he's like, let's play a trailer. From director Tim Burton. We enter. Who are you? He's Willy Wonka. <gasps> I'm Tyler Bowerbatch. I don't care. It's Carol Garcia's group. I love your chocolate. I can see that. I agree with you, salt. Daddy, I want another pony. You're my TV. Die, die, die! Okay. <laughs> and you. Oh, you're just lucky to be here, aren't you? Welcome to the factory. Warner Brothers invites you to enter a whole new world, unlike anything you've ever imagined. It's beautiful. Where dreams are your reality. Look over there. They're in Olympus. Back off, you little freaks. I do say that all seemed rather rehearsed. You're really weird. And Willy Wonka, let's boogie, is your guide. <laughs> Ew. Why is everything here completely pointless? But only one. Candy doesn't have to have a point. That's why it's candy. Will find his heart. And and he's got this kind of weird lilting, but he, he doesn't seem to be all there. He seems to be this sort of it's it's like they've 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 started with Willy Wonka and worked backwards and gone right. He's reclusive. What would make you reclusive? And they've zeroed in on on this one particular type of character, and they've dispensed with the great character from the novel. And they've chucked in their approximation of a brand new Willy Wonka. And it is atrocious to watch. You suddenly realise you don't care what happens in this chocolate factory. You just want everybody to die. Yeah, it's shite. Yeah, it really is bad. It's just a bit rubbish. It's a movie that proves that a certain Tim Burton may be overrated. Yeah, big time. I've always thought he, I've always thought he's massively overrated director. So uh, yeah, this this it's this kind of thing that pro- uh, that and Planet of the Apes kind of mm. kind of like it's kind of like yes, this is proving my point. Thank God he's making some shit now. It's so, most uh, similar to uh, Alice in Wonderland, which came out recently. It's, again, it's <laughs> Jordan Chocolate Factory is more uh, faithful to the book. Alice in Wonderland is is actually a sequel. Uh, in fact, there's a re- Alice in Wonderland should be on this list as well because it's not actually Alice in Wonderland. It's it's like uh, anyone seen Return to was in fact somebody I said I think on our, our forums mentioned that should be the one on their list. Uh, Return to Oz. Um, it's a follow-up to Wizard of Oz. Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton one, is a follow-up to Alice in Wonderland. It's not Alice in Wonderland. It's a shitty made-up story featuring characters from Alice in Wonderland through the twisted magnifying glass of Tim Burton. But American McGee's done that already. This is just the more child-friendly version because it's just a series of things thrown at you. Was Alice in Wonderland in 3D? Yes. Yeah. Yep. In 3D. <laughs> And, um, Wasn't it? Re- I assume it was a retro-fitted type job yep. as well. Yep. The problem I have with adaptations is that if you fuck them up, everyone else has to wait years, sometimes decades, for uh, another version of it. And that other version could be similarly fucked up. So we've never had a really good screen version of Alice in Wonderland. Even the original Disney animated one is compromised. It's the best one available, but it just it took years. I think it was 57 years between the Disney animated one and Tim Burton's one. How long are we going to have to wait before someone actually does Alice in Wonderland and does it right? Here is my, my point on those ones, is that it's Burton doing whatever the fuck he likes with the license and screw everyone who actually cares about the 
story and screw everyone who actually cares about the book. He is out to make money. It's fine. My problem with Burton is the fact that he's actually every so often does something really fantastic in the middle of that. Paul, even you would would not argue that Sweeney Todd and Big Fish are actually really good films. I, I like Big Fish. Mm. Sweeney Todd's all right. Pretty They're women. Not, it just I don't I don't know what it is about his stuff. I mean, I, we, I don't want to go off too much of a tangent, but I've never I've never really been massively convinced by him. Mm. And uh, he yeah. So watching Planet of the Apes and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is just like, mm, yeah, kind of what I, expect. I suspected all along. While watching Rise of the Planet of the Apes, you whispered to me, this is so much better than the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, it's not even funny. It's, yes, it's like, it's like I'm on another planet. Like, <laughs> so it's emba- embarrassing, the difference. So, um. Okay, I'm running short on time. So, uh, Wild Wild West, do you remember seeing that at the cinema, Paul? Yep. Fucking atrocity again. <laughs> it's, it's Barry Sonnenfeld, director of uh, Adam's Family, which is really good, Adam's Family Values, Men in Black, and so it was you reuniting with Will Smith, and you'd think, this is this cannot fail. This cannot fail to be a decent quality movie. And they've stopped Will Smith in a role of cowboy. There's sort of it's a steampunk cowboy film. It's an adaptation of some TV show, which I have no particular interest in. So obviously there's some Wild Wild West fans out there of the TV show but hated the movie who are going, yes, they fucked this one up. That's a bad adaptation. But the film, if you actually watch it, is a total mess. It seems like they haven't even finished the script. And if, if you've uh, ever watched a, um, An Evening with Kevin Smith, he talks about um, his plans to be making a Superman uh, film, you know, way back in the uh, mid-90s, and visiting the home of one of the producers who was out of his head on cocaine, and th- this perspective... Wanting giant mechanical yeah, spiders. Said, Do you remember who was meant to direct that version of Superman? Ratner? Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Oh, yes. And Kevin Smith was supposed to write it. And yeah, he was like, could Superman fight a polar bear? Could Superman fight a giant mechanical spider? Like, he just, he didn't care about the character of Superman. He just wanted to put f- stuff on screen, and that's all Wild Wild West is. Stuff thrown on screen. It's garbage. And it made me think that Will Smith maybe wasn't all that hot shit. And actually, as it turned out, in the past few years, he's made some really fantastic films since. I think he came back with Ali and knocked it out of the park after this yeah. crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Will Smith's a funny guy. At what point did he not say, yo, yo guys, you, you're going to have to go away and write a script, because this is garbage. It's a head. Uh, so I'm going to finish on The Chronicles of Riddick. Now, Pitch Boo. If you, what, you don't like Chronicles of Riddick? I love Chronicles of Riddick. Okay, right. Give me this for, what, two minutes? Chronicles of Riddick. Okay. Pitch Black is a fantastic B-movie. That, um, we're going to do it for Gonzo at some point because it's it's a kind of, it's a taut alien based, well, first off, it's a taut, you know, stranded on a uh, alien planet thriller and that in itself would be interesting enough to watch, especially the way it's directed and it's it's got a cast of nobody so you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die. And, that would be interesting enough. And then suddenly they enter this solar eclipse, which could is apparently last for years. And these nocturnal shark-like alien creatures come out and start eating them. So it's suddenly even worse. But in the middle of it, you've got this apparently sociopathic escaped criminal. It's suddenly, it does, it's not a film about Riddick, but Riddick becomes the focal point of it, despite the fact that the film itself is good enough to hold itself up in its own. Chronicles of Riddick does the opposite. It says, everyone wants to see Riddick, now let's build a film around him. And they make this sort of Conan-style space fantasy and start talking about how he's the last of his race and he's got this destiny to beat the necromongers led by Colm Fjord, who's one of the most unwatchable actors in cinema. It's just a vehicle to make 
Vin Diesel look like a badass. And the whole film just sort of peters from one big explosive action sequence to the next. And nothing is interesting and nothing is fun and everything takes itself ridiculously seriously. And at the end of it all, you're left wondering, what were they trying to do here? They were trying to start an epic trilogy. Pitch Black was supposed to be the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings. This was supposed to be the Fellowship. In the end, it turned out to be the farting, deflating balloon that was Vin Diesel's career. Yeah, I I, I sat there going, why is Judy Dench in this? (laughs) She was as well. (laughs) Never fails to inspire, does it? Each time a world falls. The Necromongers. A dark army that will convert or kill every last human life. Unless they can be stopped. But sometimes, the only way to stop evil is not with good. You must confront it with another kind of evil. Have you met any others? Others like yourself. It's not my fight. Consider it a test. Convert now or fall forever. Are you going to stop the monsters now? I am the monster. You're not afraid of the dark, are you? Uh, if you want, Neil, you could you could contend against that. Oh, I'll say this. I would like to point out I have seen everyone's list. Mm. And I think I disagree with one pick from everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I disagree uh, on a couple of, of other ones as well. But this is not a show about uh, arguing in favour of it. It's a show about venting aggression about things that really upset us on a personal level. I wanted to see Riddick brought back to the masses and have everyone go, wow, this character is actually really awesome. But for it to be, a, a, you know, a, another taut, interesting story and maybe expand on the character, but don't turn him into the champion of the universe. He's not Flash Gordon. Anyway, that's oh. me. <laughs> He'll save every one of us. <laughs> okay. Play, play the short of it. Play Escape from Butcher Bay instead. It's much yeah, better. That, we're going to talk about that on the uh, the Riddick shows. But I think what I'm thinking of doing is if we do Pitch Black for one show and then Butcher Bay, Dark Fury, and Chronicles for a second show, because I've got plenty to say about Butcher Bay. It's an excellent game, really excellent. And Dark Fury is actually pretty good as well. And is short. It Dark Athena or something. Is that the game? Oh, oh yeah, Dark Athena. Dark Fury is an animated short that came out to play. Ah, right, okay. Chronicles of Riddick. Dark Athena is the uh, uh, HD follow-up game, shop, isn't it? Um, Butch Bay and the. I suppose it was kind of trying to get Riddick back into the public consciousness so they could maybe try and get another movie out there. Didn't exactly. Which they're doing. They are. Ooh. Yep. No, don't be excited, Alex. <laughs> That's the best bit. He just hated on the sequel. Yeah, he just got excited. God damn me. Okay, right. Uh, let's go on. Okay, Neil or Josh, who wants to go first? Oh, I'll let Josh. I want to go last because okay. I'm going to just de- devolve, I'm okay. afraid. Right, as long as everyone keeps to roughly within a 10-minute time, but that'll, uh, that'll that'll keep everything moving. Right, Josh. Go okay. On. Ghost Rider. <laughs> you- <laughs> ah, damn you. I like that one. Uh, it's just like I think Ghost Rider as a character may not have made any great comic books on his own or anything but I think he's kind of interesting and there was potential there to make an interesting movie do what you did with Blade Marvel Blade was a great movie rated 18 vampires blood and everything if you did that with Ghost Rider it would have been a good movie but no you turned it into this PG-13 piece of bullshit 
Every 12 seconds, bloody Nicolas Cage extends his arm and goes, you, to some random character, as if it's some kind of dramatic moment. It's not dramatic, it's ridiculous. You look like a complete prat. Ah, oh, and the acting is awful. I don't, I forget the actor's name. Peter Mendes. Blackheart. Oh, um, Wes Bentley. Well, right. he was shit. And if anyone's <laughs> yep. seen Peter the, Fonda uh, was shit, and he's the quality actor. I know. And, and Excuse me, you've the, not seen Uli's Gold. Oh, yes. <laughs> I got Paul, just tell you Uli's Gold story quick. I'll give you an extra minute, Josh. Okay. Oh, what, yeah, so when we went to see uh, Peter Fonda film Uli's Gold, we got so bored during the film, we started talking all the way through it, and uh, I, I have absolutely no clue what was going on, and my friend described it as just a bunch of scenes, which I thought was a perfect. Uh, but I remember quite vividly at one point some uh, woman walked in because she thought, because uh, they could hear us laughing because we were the only ones in the screening, and they and she wondered what the hell was going on, and she realised there was this boring-looking film going on screen, and we were just howling with laughter, because <laughs> basically that's all we had. Was that the one where, where Mark stood up and tried to, or possibly no, Dan, tried to strangle Peter Fonda? Yes, he tried to he tried to put his finger uh, you know up in up in through through the sort of light to strangle Peter Fonda in the screen because there was no one else in the audience. <laughs> the, the only person he was just would have been distracting was was us. Uh, the other and the projectionist and the project. Well, yeah, I think they would have fallen asleep by then. But yeah, dreadful, <laughs> truly dreadful film. Anyway, sorry. Okay, continue, Josh. Uh, anyway, I mean, has anyone seen like the uh, artwork for characters like Blackheart and? Mephisto or yeah he's in Marvel vs. Capcom too yeah um, Black Heart is they, they look really cool I mean I really like Blackheart's art design Blackheart was so like in- the silhouette of the Predator yeah and instead they turned him into an emo kid who, <laughs> West Bentley in a coat yeah that was great see I just want to I, I just want to ask the question which would you rather watch Fantastic Four 2 or Ghost Rider? I like Fantastic Four 2. Fantastic Four 2. Honestly. I actually quite like Sam Elliott in this because Sam Elliott is always awesome. Yeah, he's never bad in anything. He's the one one redeeming thing. Anyway, I've been far too long on Ghost Rider. Just just mention that that Nick Cage does his usual bullshit. Like, when he first turns into Ghost Rider, just starts, like, howling and cackling and, like, doing his bug eyes at the fucking camera. Uh, Oh, God, if I see Nick Cage do that. Wicker Man. Has anyone got Wicker Man on their list? Can someone rant about that piece of crap? Oh, for fuck- no, because I refuse to watch it. How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? There could be an entire Gonzo episode on bad movies that Nicolas Cage has been in. But anyway, <laughs> I'm there. I, um, I love watch them all. That could be a two-parter, to be fair. Josh, okay. <laughs> yeah, two, so, right. two words. Uh, Alien sh- Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alien versus Hunter. Um, I didn't know what the meaning of the word awful was <laughs> until I saw this movie. The only Until he watched an Asylum movie. Yeah. The only Which way I can... of who the Asylum are? The Asylum are a group of filmmakers who <laughs> essentially... Are you air quotes? Because you should... Air quotes, yeah. Who um, look at what's on in the cinema and they think, hmm, we'll make a really shitty, crappy version of that for On the Cheap and... Uh, straight to DVD. Yeah, straight to DVD. And, and befuddled would... people might buy it accidentally. Yeah. Transmorphers. Anyway, I, I am Omega. <laughs> Space on a train. <laughs> to talk, I, I actually find this, the story of how I watched this film is actually kind of interesting. My friend um, Stuart lent it to me and Andrew just as like a dare. Like I dare you to watch this film. It's so awful that I bet you can't get through it. Of course, me and Andrew uh, wanted to watch it all the way through because we're proud like that. 
And um, we watched the film. And when it, the credits started rolling, there was a moment of silence between us. Then my friend Andrew went over to the DVD player, got out the disc and bent it in half so nobody could watch it ever again. Um, the spirit of vengeance. <laughs> the only comparable experience to watching this film is imagine if somebody gathered up every copy of your favorite film of all time, every copy of it, put it on a giant pile and then set fire to it. So nobody could ever experience your favorite film ever again. That's how terrible watching uh, Alien vs. Hunter is. Anyway. It, I mean, you haven't even said it. it's It's a knockoff of Alien vs. Predator. Oh, yeah. And the bloody hunter looks like he's got a bucket on his head the alien is like a cross between like what you imagine the alien is and a spider the acting now we've all seen bad acting in films but i don't even know if i can call this acting it's like the actors are just reading the script with no emotion it's like uh maybe we should go over (laughs) here because it it seems like a good idea it's just oh don't watch it just who wins ever, alien or hunter ever, ever alien versus look honestly <laughs> alien versus predator is a good movie compared to this film like i can enjoy alien versus predator after watching this film that's how bad it is <laughs> okay anyway epic movie from two of the six writers of Scary Movie. I've had it with these snakes on this damn plane. I heard you. Now, can you please go get some raid or a knife or something? Discover what it takes. I'm so hot. To survive an epic movie. You're the future kings and queens of Narnia. Oh, my God. It's talking beaver. Beware of the wizards. Play with Willie. <laughs> Look. A chocolate river. That's actually the sewer line. Hit it off with the mutants. We'll stand behind you. And kick it this year. We are the pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, the pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Epic movie. My son. You are truly invincible. Oh my god, you shot my guy! Why would you do that? Nice. Epic movie. Um, Epic movie's kind of just standing in for Freeberg and Salsa in general. Mm. Um, I think um, bad movies in general are terrible but when it's like an action movie that's bad or a drama that's bad you can extract some level of enjoyment because you can laugh at the uh, yeah it's 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 comedic it's comedic yes oh hang on i know what you're gonna say karen but with comedy yeah there is nothing funny about a bad joke like absolutely nothing a bad comedy is never going to be unintentionally thrilling or dramatic (laughs) so uh, i think that's yeah. yeah Bad That's comedy is is not only not funny; it's the anti laugh. It's the yeah. kind of laugh. It's the kind of feeling that in your gut that you you hate the makers of the film so deeply, so much because they're making you feel sad because their film is trying to be funny, and you know that somewhere in the world someone's going <laughs> at the same joke, and you want to kill that person and everyone who made that film. 
Yeah. Epic movie is like that for me. It is like, and I use this colourful term on Twitter for a different film, but I think it applies here. It's like being force-fed a garbage sack full of used nappies and tramp sick. I think the thing that irritates me most about this movie is it's it's as if they hadn't even watched the movies they're riffing on. They're just they just watched the trailers for it and they're riffing on the stuff they saw in the trailers. So they're not even making intelligent jokes about these films. It's just like, oh, remember, remember that bit from the trailer you saw that that was cool, wasn't it? And they're not really jokes either. They're just like references. It's like, do you remember that bit? Do you remember that bit? Oh, famous person. Some bloke yeah. up uh, dressed as Jack Sparrow, and you're like, eh, Jack Sparrow. There's one bit in Epic Movie where this guy turns up and goes, My name is Harry Potter. Aren't you a little old to still be a student here? Nonsense. I am at 14. Uh, they, they mentioned that, that, that Daniel Radcliffe's looking a bit old to be playing Harry Potter. He just finished a 10-year series of movies where he was actually only three years older than Harry at the very, very end. So they weren't even on the money then. You see, it's just <sighs> proof of death that it's the, the worst thing is that people see these as sort of the equivalent of hot shots, an airplane, and they're so not. God. This is Sparta! What the hell was that? That is how men of Sparta greet one another. It's okay. I take big black dudes. <laughs> the bigger the hit. You're never gonna be a Spartan. Take this, Granny! The harder they fall. <laughs> I'm assembling an army of 300 to go to war with Persia. I'm going to take them in the rear. Reach around. I take them again from the front. From the guys who saw 300 comes the next big epic comedy. That's Today is the day you die! What? what? I mean they die. Today's the day they die. That's what I meant to say. Meet the Spartans. Wow. Oops. What's that? The combination to my chastity belt. Yes! Uh, Paul, yeah. you actually sat through the entirety of Meet the Spartans, which is from the same stable. Remember that one? I did, yes. Uh, in fact, I was gonna, that was actually the one I was going to mention, so I could, I could bring that in and I don't have to mention it later. Ha-ha. <laughs> Ha-ha. I've not seen Epic Movie, but Josh can ask, did you sit in stunned silence for about four hours after <laughs> seeing Epic Movie? Yeah, I, I think I actually went out and bought an Ben and Jerry's ice cream just to try and soothe the pain uh, that I experienced. Um, yeah, it's quite yep. stunningly awful. Yeah, meet meet the Spartans uh, for, for for literally hours after I saw it. I saw it with a friend of mine, and uh, we we just occasionally we just go, we just look and go, oh God, what what for hours afterwards, literally just shocked at what I'd just seen. So yeah, meet the Spartans. Just it's I mean I, like it's it's not only so gormless and so obvious with each and every joke that's usually just a collection of, of as you say trailer moments but they even have to underline them like you know uh, the bit where Leonidas uh, meets the wolf uh, it's actually the penguin and yeah. then he goes you've got happy feet so yeah. the penguin starts dancing just in case any everybody watching is so stupid they can't remember that happy feet exists 
It's just, yeah, it's just, you're watching it just thinking, am I, am I on the same planet as everyone else? Have I missed a meeting somewhere? Where is this supposed to be funny? What, what's the point of this? They and were it, that, very popular yeah. at that stage, weren't they? Depressing. There, there were too many. I mean, that was when we just started podcasting, Paul, and there was about yeah. six of them released in that year. And I think aside yeah. from Vampires Sucks, since Meet the Spartans, there's been very few. And I think that even though they were still turning a profit, some Hollywood types went to these guys' producers and said, look, okay, I know they're making you 300%, but they're making Hollywood look bad. Could you stop, please? I highly doubt that. This is Hollywood. Yeah, I do wonder why... Kate on his shoulder and said, stop making movies, Mick. You have no taste. You are quite right, though. They have they have completely dried up since Vampires Sucked. You know, mm. so I, that was the first one in ages. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, thank God. I mean, they're, they're divine intervention, whatever it is. You know, just let's let's keep hoping. <laughs> it's the anti laugh. I said, let's let's move on because this is just fucking depressing. Next one, John. <laughs> uh, Sex in the City Two. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Talk about this in depth. Um, I don't like talking about this movie because when I talk about it, I sound like I'm a sexist. Mm. Um, no, because. You're not. Women have complained about how awful this makes women look. Smart oh, women. no, absolutely. It's just that my criticisms are like it, it almost magnifies everything I hate about modern female culture. Now, anyone who's female and listening to this culture know that this film doesn't reflect you in any way, because <clears> if you're listening to this podcast, you're practically the opposite of this. Yeah. But oh, Tony likes like, the first movie and the series. I don't know about the second. Well, apparently the TV series is actually, like, okay, but the movies are like the Antichrist. Um, <laughs> just, Explain why. Um, because, well, you've seen magazines in your local newspaper place, like Heat Magazine and Glamour Magazine. Imagine if somebody took those magazines and then made a movie about the content of those magazines. So we're talking about how to get thin in like five days and, oh, what's the best shoes we can wear? Oh, let's talk about shallow, vacuous things that don't matter and ultimately are soul-destroying and I just want to kill everyone in the cinema because I have to be witness to this piece Why of did shit. you go and see it? Because... Some friends were like, hey, this movie's on, and I didn't want to be like, you know, the spoil sport. It was be like, the spoil sport. It's your duty. Then, you? <laughs> I, well, I tell you what, I gave them a hard time about it afterwards, so Good. there's that. Um, so were they shameful and... and, and, and uh, well, they, they were very accepting of my punishment. Um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think you were talking about the Kermode review, and it really yeah, kind of... play a bit of that now after you've finished. Yeah, it, it uh, basically sums up... Ev- well, yeah, just play it now. The defining moment for me is she goes to uh, this hotel, uh, which is $22,000 a night, okay, but she's getting it on the three, and when they arrive, each one of them is given their own personal exotic flunky, who then waits on them hand on foot. Ha- in hand You'd foot. expect that for 22000 a night, wouldn't you? And there, yes, but at no point is anyone saying, I'm sorry, this is just ghastly beyond belief that it's horrible. Fine. Is there a choice of films? So what happens is that at one moment, the flunky who she has been given, who, you know, who uh, says, 
points out that actually he can only go and see his wife once every couple of months because the airfare is expensive, right? And you expect this to be a moment when she suddenly realises that the ghastly wealth that she's living with has a consequence, that there are people around who have less money. But no, this is used as a moment so that she can go, oh yes, I have to be away from Mr Big sometimes as well. Therefore, and so you're going, I can't believe you've just done this. You've gone, you stinkingly wealthy consumerist dripping with gold shoes, blah blah blah. He doesn't have enough money to go and see And what you've seen in this isn't horrible, staggering inequality of just corpulent, filthy lucre, but, oh yes, we both have the same issue, which is to do with being apart from our loved one. Point number one, okay? This As is the old trot at the barricades, isn't it? I'm sorry, this is. This was yes. the point at which I started, and then comrades come rally. Sorry. Another one is a woman who is a mother who has a full-time nanny assistant, but who still finds time to go and cry in the food cupboard because she's so oppressed by having to do the childcare, and the child puts jammy hands on her vintage skirt. And we're meant to sympathise. And then there's a moment of self-reflexiveness in which he says, oh, what on earth do people who don't have help do? Nod to the screen. The rest of us going, oh, the serfs. You know, if we were in a Sex and the City movie, we'd be the help. We'd be the serfs. We'd be the person opening the door. So all that stuff going on, fine. So essentially the message of the film is this. Feel sympathy for people who are disgustingly wealthy and so disgustingly wealthy that they not only don't notice having a spare apartment, not only don't notice losing the income from a job, not only don't notice that one of the people that they're employing is so poor that he can only go, afford to go and see his wife once every three months, not only that, but are also imperialist American pig dogs of the highest order when it comes to become a Maoist. imperialism. But on the class war politics, it is... Yeah, the we get most the point. Dis no, don't say it like that. Well, it's, you have gone. You did say revolting. I'm not going to rant. You it's did say <laughs> I am not going to rant, and it's that was about ten minutes just, ago. It is consumerist pornography. It is an orgy of dripping, you know, dr just dripping wealth that made me want to be sick. Sarah Jessica Parker has a lot to answer for. <sighs> She's sexism dressed up as female empowerment. Awful, awful, awful woman. Yeah. <laughs> just, it, ugh. She's also, it, it struck at exactly the wrong time when everyone else is going through a credit crunch and these <laughs> bitches are wandering around the world going, yeah. oh, yes, darling, you know, I'm just going to spend $3,000 a night on this thing. It's all expenses paid. What, what's that? all of you! What's that? Is it Family Guy where they say it's it, that, that show about three prostitutes and their That's mother? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. I love that quote. Uh, unless you've got something significant to say about Johnny English, Josh, are we going to leave it at that? Nah, just leave Johnny English. It's, it's not worth going into. I'll say just something briefly about Johnny English. Johnny English is the only film I have ever walked out of, apart from Cherry Falls. Cherry Falls was atrocious, and then my wife and I walked out after about 25 minutes and went and saw Mission Impossible 2. That's how desperate we were. <laughs> there was nothing Mission else. Impossible 2 is good. Yeah, of course you like it. No, it's not. It was terrible. Uh, Johnny English, um, I, 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 sort of, I, I, got it, I got in to see it free because it was, uh, effectively, it was like a Cineworld card back in those days, and I, I, I went in, I sat down, I had a few hours before I had to go to work, and I was like, right, I'm going to watch this film. The trailer looked awful, but, you know, maybe trailers aren't in indicative of the actual product and after about again 25 minutes i said you know what rowan i've given you a fucking chance this is terrible this is so bad i'm trying to chew my own arm off just so i have something to throw at the screen i, I just thought it's a sunny day outside i'd rather go out and sit in the car park than sit in this <laughs> cinema for one more second bottle of white lightning in yeah. hand now i this haven't seen the whole movie but i figure it goes downhill yeah it does and this is it the does. guy who brought us blackadder i mean i love blackadder <laughs> 
Me too. And then, like, ever since Mr. Bean, and I, I don't understand the appeal of Mr. Bean. I've no. never found him funny. Nope. And it's just gone downhill from there. And it's like a really talented, well, at one point, a really talented comedian setting fire to his career, basically. But he didn't. Johnny English made money. Johnny English, too, is making money. Oh. And uh, uh, yeah, the people, families were uh, contending with Kermode and saying, this is a family film. My kid was laughing at it. I was laughing at it. It's all good fun. Yeah, uh, the see, kids remember- are stupid. <laughs> Don't laugh at anything. I, uh, Chris Eason, Leg of Time, I believe, likes both Johnny English films. So, uh, sorry, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, lag. Oh, uh, Austrian, I'd like you to meet somebody. This is my mother, Mrs. Exposition. How do you do? My God, man, what have you done? That's not your mother, it's a man, baby! Come on! Why won't this wig come off? Austrian! Yeah, hold on, hold on. No, 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 my mother! Oh! It's the killer from Hong Kong! Murderous crow! I've got her! You old hag! She's the killer! She's my mother! Bunny! Okay, um, Matt, you've been quiet so far. Let's, let's hear you rant. I'm gonna start your timer now. Okay, we'll uh, start low and work up. Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace <laughs> is. Yeah, that sucks. Such a fucking hideously pointless wank stain of a film. The first film was mildly entertaining because the effects were interesting and novel before we actually understood what the internet was. It's in Pierce Law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jeff Farhey. It's, they couldn't even get Jeff Farhey back for the second. <laughs> no, Lawnmower Man 2, they Matt took Brewer. a, a it film. It is Matt Frewer. Yes, Matt Frewer. Oh, of course, yes. Star of 50-50. Which was great. And Max Headroom. Yeah, 50, it was a 50-50. They? <laughs> they, they took a, a film which they did a really bad version of a Stephen King short story with. And then they took away anything interesting, all of the talent and any plot and made The Lawn Merman 2. It's fucking awful. It looks shit. It, it's just bollocks. It's absolute pointless film. That's that done. Next up, Jersey Girl. <laughs> Kevin Smith <laughs> can make a good film. He can make a funny film, and he failed it's to do either with Jersey Girl. I sat through that because it was the best thing available on a fucking flight back from America, and I'd rather have jumped out of the fucking plane. It's sappy, <laughs> it's home, bollocks. Yeah. I fucking hate it. Why? Why? Apart from it Why? just being sappy it's, it's sappy bollocks. It's not funny. It's got Ben Affleck not being good. Which is sadly all too common, but he can do ben it. Ben Affleck in not good shocker. <laughs> just awful. It, it's just it's not a Kevin Smith. What I remember film. is it. It starts off with awful kind of you know guy trying to bring up baby, doing stupid things and doing it all wrong, and the baby wheeze on him and ha ha ha. Um, the, the only funny thing I remember is that one guy says you got to wipe her front to back, otherwise she gets the crotch rot. <laughs> And um, by the end, it becomes an awful, sappy love story with, with uh, Liv Tyler. Just ghastly fucking film. The other thing I remember is that I sat here there, disgusted in the theatre, next to Tony Liz and Sharon, uh, next to a fat man who did nothing but eat Maltesers and cry the whole time. <laughs> he was just like, oh. It wasn't Kevin Smith, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Stop eating Maltesers. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself, man. <laughs> oh, Carry God. On. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible film. It's just fish out of water, father. It's just, oh, I hate it. I hate it's the it. The first Kevin Smith film that's not one of the uh, the, the 
view askew the askew universe films and it feels like it this was the one that jay jason muse was not allowed to be on because he was on heroin at the time and i bet he actually thanks kev in the retrospect <laughs> you know thanks for that shit i preferred the smack no because i think i saw the movie he was in opposed to this and it wasn't what was very it? good i think it was feast oh god well zach and mary make porno was fucking awful as well to me and so was cop yeah. out so basically kevin smith's been rubbish since clerks too um freddie got fingered oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. okay i want to hear you actually explain this movie because the trailer doesn't mention any of the freddie fingering <laughs> i don't know what freddie got fingered is about i think it's just <laughs> it's just a vaguely you know controversial title that that it's. I've no idea what the film's about. I don't know. It's about. It's about, about an being hour and a half. complete dick <laughs> in various places. It's not. It's. It's not funny. There's no plot. It's got Tom Green, who I don't find overly amusing at the best of times, not being funny anyway. It just seems to be a whole bunch of sight gags of basically goop and bodily fluids jammed together for I don't know what felt like fucking several days. And and it's, no just a, it's a way to, to showcase Tom Green's, lar- you know, larking about and, and, and doing crazy things, right? Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausage? Or, or, he's got sausages on strings and he's playing the, they're attached to his fingers and he's playing the keyboard like they're sausage puppets. And he's got bacon around his ears. You I honestly, for a to- moment, watching this film, I honestly wondered whether I'd inadvertently taken some kind of hallucinogenic drug. <laughs> because what I was watching made so little sense that people in, in, who are nearly dead through too many drugs probably understand life better than I understood this film. It's, <laughs> oh, it, the word pig fuck has been used by people on this podcast before to describe a film. That is too good for this film. And Tom I, Green, pig fuck is, makes too much sense to describe this film. It's, Tom I, Green, I, thankfully, disappeared the fuck off our screens as soon as it was gone. I, do you know the only thing, good thing to come out of Freddie Got Fingered is that Drew Barrymore decided to divorce him, divorce Tom Green shortly after it came good. out. Good. Good so, on you, Drew. Sen- sensible girl. The, the plot runs thus. Tom Green um, moves away from home and his father, Rip Torn, gets him a job at a cheese factory. He fucks up. He comes back home. He tries to be a skateboarder slash get a TV program started. Um, then his dad destroys his skateboard um, thing, like his skateboard hoop. And then uh, in, in vengeance, he implies that his father molested his younger brother, ruining his father's reputation in the end. That, I, I believe, is the Wikipedia description of it. That's the gist of it, yes. Dad, are you really excited about starting to work at the sandwich factory tomorrow? Hello, can you hear me? There's probably people at the factory that have been making cheese sandwiches their entire lives, and they're going to look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And they're going to call me a loser. Ooh, you can't hurt me. Not with my cheese helmets. Hello? Hello? You couldn't handle the complexities of making a cheese sandwich, so now it's back home. Huh? Daddy! That's my phone! Regency Enterprises presents Tom Green. He's a stupid. Not stupid. He's a stupid. Not stupid. He's stupid. Not stupid. Freddy got fingered. Oh, if you'll excuse me, I still have some work to do. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausage? We're real proud of it. I think I could have come up with a better title. Rip Torn, what were you thinking? Seriously, got to ask. Rip Torn, you've been in quality films like Men in Black, Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> Dodgeball and bad films like Men in Black, Black Two. Anyway, Matt, you got any more? Uh, yeah. P.S. I love you. 
Yeah, yeah this is the first one you mentioned, isn't it? <sighs> Why? I, I watched the trailer and it, yeah, it looked kind of sad. Um, again, shall I do a quick rundown of the plot because it's going to take a bit of experience. Feel free. Feel free. Um, Hilary Swank uh, is going out with Gerard Butler, who's a sort of a cocky Irishman, despite the fact that he's Scots. He dies. You've seen it, and I haven't. You have to explain this to me. He leaves messages for her from beyond the grave so that she can have a happy life and move on. How does he die? He, he, he dies. He, he's ill. It's an illness. That oh, right. So he, he, okay. he knows so he's, he's going to die like, and plans like... ahead. Right, I mean, okay. the basic story I've got no issue with. It's based on a book um, which was set in Ireland, hence why the character's Irish. And this is, where, this is where it all starts. Hollywood saw this story and went, loads of people bought this book. Let's make a film. Let's, let's transport it to America. Yeah, let's do that because American, America is where everything good happens. Oh, but let's keep, let's keep the Irish one inexplicably and make – but not – Keep it in Ireland. Let's just, I don't know, let's just take this and do a Hollywood on it and get rid of anything that might be any good and just make things that will sell tickets in a trailer. It's awful. It's, it's vacuous, it's, yeah. sappy, overly sentimental, romantic bollocks. <laughs> badly acted. It's badly written. Gerard Butler wavers between an apparently Irish accent, whatever the fucking hell he does next and his own scottish accent but that's fine it's all gaelic so the americans won't fucking notice and then they go back to ireland jesus because that's where he's from why fucking bother with ireland at all it's just absolute fucking wank and i have to sit and watch this and pretend i enjoyed it with my wife what what did you make her watch afterwards i hope it was porn (laughs) (laughs) so it's basically a really sappy rom-com it's the worst kind of filmmaking that exists because it's just deliberately intended to sell tickets to women and to sell DVDs to women by going, oh, Gerard Butler gets his chest now. Isn't he attractive? What, what's the equivalent? 300, I suppose. Yeah, 300 is the man's rom-com. <laughs> I have got, I've got no issue with rom-coms inherently. I mean, generally they tend to be kind of crap some of my favourite films are rom-coms but, but there are some really really good ones much. this just isn't one of them it's just appalling well it's like everything. as I said at the beginning it sounds like it offended you on a personal level <laughs> <laughs> oh, well it's got two Irish characters one of whom's played by a Scots <clears throat> one of whom's played by an American what? <laughs> what's the fucking point? neither of whom can do an Irish accent convincingly for any length of time why? Why? How many Irish actors are there that could have played an Irishman? Why get Jeffrey Dean Morgan to do it? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay, right. So, Paul, I think it's time for your line. <laughs> go on, go on. So you didn't like it, then? Is that what... I see you You want the cop... One overly keen. <laughs> I'm sensing you didn't like it. Okay. Well, you just heard from the man himself. Now it's time to go back in time. Remember when Paul used to do movie rants? It's oh, time you more. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I don't want to oversell this, man. I'm just. I'm just going to go. The, pro- the problem I had with this selection is, that as as you said in your, the intro, some of the um, the really bad films you see aren't necessarily technically the worst. Hmm. You see, they just they just seem to do do something. They have some effect on you that's just re- relentlessly negative. So one of the choices in particular, I know some people here are quite a big fan fans of. So I'm going to have to be a bit careful how I do this. And also, I must say that you know when I was like sort of in my sort of uh, kind of twen- early, you know, sort of late teens, early twenties, I would sort of, you know, 
actively seek out terrible movies just so I could sneer at them. These days, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to go to the cinema. So basically, the films that I see that are bad, uh, I, you know, I, I, we've sort of gone on, on the basic to the, cause, cause of how I actually see most of the films I see at the moment are it's still in the cinema. Uh, I tend to find that they're bad just be inadvertently. So often they're like, you know, critically acclaimed films that you, you end up going, you know, why, why is this good? So Winter's Bone, for example, is a very good, is a good example of like the tree of life which is the only film i've ever walked out of so but i'm not going to talk about those now up because there with johnny english <laughs> up there with johnny english no but that, that, that's the problem and, 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 and you also that. find yourself you know occasionally wondering what it is uh, what what everyone else is seeing that you aren't i mean m- the most obvious example for me is inception a film i think is okay but mm. everyone seems to just be, be falling over themselves to praise it so okay fair enough anyway but we i, I that was a bit of a, digre- a digression first film Inspector Gadget, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, the reason for that, right, this is actually an interesting thing. When I was, because I saw this film when I was, when I was a student, it's actually the first uh, film I went to a press screening of because I got an opportunity to, uh, to write film reviews for the student newspaper. Now, I didn't write the review for this film, my uh, friend did. <laughs> um, but I, the, I think the worst, I mean, not, I mean, anyone who's seen the film knows it's bloody awful. And, uh, I mean, Matthew Broderick should be shot. I mean, for, for, mar- for marrying uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, he needs his he needs an eye, eyesight exam clearly she, she looks probably, like a foot she looks she's a oh, horrendous <laughs> woman but anyway uh, and it, it, it's, it's basically you know 80 minutes of just him lolling around all over the place just sl- you know the slapstick comedy and all that kind of thing now that in itself is pretty bad my, my friend actually wrote in, in the summary of review his review said that a, a great film makes 90 minutes feel like an hour inspector gadget makes 80 minutes feel like a day which i think sums it up perfectly but my biggest gripe with this film is that so many but this came out this was sort of although you you i there's a trailer for it, the American trailer. So it came out in July. Well, we didn't get it here till December. Lucky us, eh? Well, the problem is, this came out on the same day as The Iron Giant, which is my favourite animated film. Bar none. Right, that's it. Right there. Now, loads of people I know, when I said, for God's sake, you know, they're, you know what film should I take my kids to see? I was working at the supermarket. It was over Christmas break. Colleagues were going, what's... I said, for God's sake, take your kids to see The Iron Giant. They won't, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't really matter. They won't necessarily like, get all the nuances of all it, but you'll at least have something to enjoy, and they'll, they'll be in, in, in trance, in, you know, in, in sort of enchanted by all the, the visual, all the and visual stuff. And it's deeply and wholesome, it's, nourishing it's film. wonderful. It's such a wonderful film. Don't take them to see Inspector Gadget, whatever you do. It's awful. It will make your kids stupid. You will be bored out of your mind. Just don't do it. Practically everyone saw fucking Inspector Gadget. Shame on them. Shame on them. <laughs> I think you need to shake my dad's hand because when, my, when I was nine years old and my brother was eight, he took us to see Iron Giant Good. instead Thank of Inspector God. Gadget. Thank God. So someone was set. No one around where I was had any brain cells, clearly, but someone, someone's brain was clearly working. So, yeah, so that, that is why I hate Inspector Gadget. So, uh, in summary, step one. Right, second film. <laughs> Again, the pissing, pissing your talent down the drain. Uh, David Gordon Green. Now, has anyone seen any films? I've Does anyone know who that is? That's right. a quality film, that, right? Yes, there. All the Real Girls I, I, is actually, I think, a wonderful film. It's actually my, the fav- of, of all of his films I've seen, it's my favourite by far. Now, he's also responsible for films like Pineapple Express. Now, I've not seen Pineapple Express, but I gather it's fucking shit. Uh, Alex, have you seen it? Yeah, it's rubbish. 
Okay, right. I, so, I'm, I'm sick to death of Danny McBride, and that film had yeah. way too much Danny McBride. Well, Your Highness, <laughs> I advise you. <laughs> advise oh, you. Okay, this is right. This is okay. This all came out this year. So uh, at the at the point, it's the, what the fifth of fifth of December. This at the moment is the worst film I've seen this year in the cinema by far. Now even Natalie Portman couldn't save it. Natalie, right? Natalie Portman. Yeah, okay. They try and sell in the trailer. It attempts to sell. Hey, look, Natalie Portman gets her ass out. Mark, it's a body double for starters. So fuck off. Um, now the problem is <laughs> can't squeeze the body double past me. I've seen exactly. The I've seen the real one. Now the problem is it. it, it it's just it. Well, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible film. It's not funny in the slightest. Danny McBride is the most irritating uh, comic presence I've seen for quite some time. Uh, he's even more irritating than uh, than most of Adam Sandler's films, bar uh, The Wedding Singer and obviously Punch Drunk Love. Um, He's, he's an exceptionally irritating, irritating person. You've got James Franco, who's basically wasting his time in this rubbish. Natalie Portman, who incidentally looks absolutely beautiful in it, but Nat Portman would, looks beautiful in pre, pre, practically every film she's in, usually. So that's not exactly a stretch. So the problem here is David Gordon Green, who made these, um, who made these really weird, really sort of interesting American independently minded films uh, ye- like 10 years ago, George Washington, All the Real Girls, etc., etc. And he's just, you know, what happened in 10 years that he's ended up producing cack like this, coming up with rubbish like this? He, he's basically fallen in with his crowd. Of what, I only assume they must all be stoners or something. Because, I mean, it's just... It, uh, there's there's so many bad bits. In, I can't really be, even begin to describe it. Mo, anyone who's seen the film knows what I'm talking about and knows how atrocious it is. Well, it's it, a, we, just to explain, it's like a, a medieval <laughs> fantasy, but with stoner humour. Basically, wrong? yes. So there's a, a, a scene there where they sort of go and see some sort of wise sage who's doing a, a sort of puppet thing, doing a bong, who's obviously some sort of paedophile thing. As well. Again, it makes no sense. And you're sitting in the film, in the cinema going, what on earth, what on earth are they going on about? Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's medieval film, stoner comedy, sex jokes, blah, blah, blah. And you're sitting there going, right, yeah, okay, um, David Gordon Green, right? George Washington, right? Seriously? Anyway, so appalling I can't, I can't really say anything more than that now the next two i've got are a little trickier because i know some people who really like them or to, to, to varying degrees um uh, i'll start with where the wild things are uh this is the spike john's film well, did this come out last year uh End of last two years ago right okay now the problem <laughs> i i have this i actually went there with quite sort of i, I was quite you know high expectations i, I like spike john's other films or i mean was it adaptation was the one i really like I, I preferred to being john malcolm i like the stuff he does now the problem is the problem i have with where the wild things are is it's colossally boring uh i have no affinity to the original source material so uh i, I went into it with no I, I'd, ne- I'd actually never even heard of it. So, because everyone's going, oh, where the wild things are? Yeah, I know that. So, what I saw was a film, and I, 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 I can't take credit for this, but my, uh, uh, my, my friend I went to see it with sums the whole film. He says, Mad child bites mum, runs away, comes back home, has chocolate cake. The end. That's the film to me. In between, it's like they went, right, okay. Uh, we've got all these sort of um, these these sort of suit things for these bizarre creature things, right? We've got an island we've we sort of borrowed for a little bit. I know. Let's just chuck all that in and just hope something works here. So, what is I think supposed to be some kind of magical fantasy thing, which is fair enough, you know? I mean, I, I, it, maybe if you, I'd, if I if I knew the source material when I was a kid, I might have got more out of this. But instead, 
the the only thing I could say was that it, it, it was about an hour into the film that I realised my friend was as bored as I was, and it's kind of like that revelation we had uh, during Curse of the Golden oh, Cloud. You know, when, when, I'm surprised that's not on my list. <laughs> when we when we both suddenly realised we were as bored as each other by this movie, it, it, and it is like that. I mean, it's not it's not necessarily the worst film ever or anything like that, but it was so boring. I I just couldn't wait for it to end, and I oh. Anyway, so that 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 you know that I can't really say more than that, and I can't I can't get too vitriolic about it. Just to say that I just thought Spike Jones was wasting his time with this sort of thing, and he he really could he really could do do better, frankly. And he, I'm not even sure he was the right person for the task, to be honest with you. I don't I don't think his the stuff he usually does really really works very well with that kind of film. But anyway, okay, finally, and this is the <sighs> the go. controversial one. Uh, it is literally a Marmite film. I can this is watch. the most Marmite, yes. So, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Now, I do know some people here absolutely love this film. Uh, again, I, I, my, my problem with this film, basically, is that uh, there's, this, there's this subset of sort of this, this, this geek culture thing, and... It's great. I think I think it's wonderful. You know, you know, you know, we all share conversations on Twitter about all the stuff we discuss. You know, to do with movies and video games, and this seems like the perfect melting pot of all that. But the problem is that it's just endlessly repetitive, and it uses all these references to video games that uh, I think would be totally off-putting to everyone else and actually aren't very appealing to me the character isn't isn't terribly interesting you think i you think i think this was great because he he wanders around for most of the film with a rock band bass logo on his t-shirt you'd think i think this was brilliant i was gonna say i hope paul noticed the bass logo what i I think ultimately the problem is that uh it it, the whole after like the first sort of Uh, fight shall we say I was getting very tired of it very very quickly and I don't like films with sort of manic zapping around all over the shop which obviously this has in in abundance Um, and it sort of led me to conclude that maybe as with you know the Ricky Gervais Stephen Merchant partnership when Ricky Gervais is on his own he's not quite so brilliant it kind of leads me to conclude that in some respects the uh, you know the whole with the whole Sean of the Dead Hot Fuzz yeah, the Simon Pegg Nick Frost contribution is is actually the more more important bit because I I, I just I mean I've not, again I've not read the source material so maybe if I if I if I'd read that and really appreciated that I might get more out of it but again all I saw was just it's just okay it's another video game esque sort of fight and everyone. Uh, around me seems to be really enjoying this but I'm not at all that but fortunately the friend I saw this with also hated it as well I think he hated it more than I did um, but yeah I can't really I can't explain exactly what it's a bit hard for me to articulate because I also know that this film is incredibly popular with some people some people really love this film but I, I just couldn't fathom couldn't possibly um, I, I couldn't see what the appeal of it was so there you go <laughs> sorry to say <laughs> I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm-mm. Scott Pilgrim! Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time... <sighs> If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo. Break out the L word. 
Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? What are you doing? Getting a life. Right, so I think we've uh, we've saved the best for last, maybe? <laughs> Come on, Neil. Come on. Neil, give us what you got. Give me what you got! Ferocious, so I made some odd choices. My first one uh, is Starship Troopers 2. I love Paul Verhoeven's sort of sci-fi stuff. I love Total Recall. I love Robocop. And I really think Starship Troopers was an underrated movie by Paul Verhoeven. So my friends bought it and it was in a box set. And it came with Starship Troopers 2. I'm like, I never knew they did Starship Troopers 2. So imagine all of us huge fans of the first movie gather around to sit and watch Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation. And what we got was this no-budget, generic, piss-poor movie that was embarrassing. This is how little budget it had. When they fire the guns, they're basically torches. You never see the aliens that they're fighting. And it's so piss-poor and generic, it's embarrassing. I would want to, it, it's one of the worst movies I've actually ever seen, but I think that was my expectations of, oh, they did a, you know, a sequel to a movie I really liked, and then I sat and watched this made-for-sci-fi piece of shit. You know, it's up there with Asylum movies, and I actually like Asylum movies, but... You mean it's down there? No, you see, I like movies. Asylum movies, because I know what they are, and I, I know what I'm getting into. So when they come along... I, you know, I can have fun with them. Whereas this one was just... Oh, if you actually like Starship Troopers, never, ever watch two. I can't speak for three. That, that movie was so bad, I, I never can. watched three. Oh, Matt, what, what was three any better? Watch three and you will start to enjoy two a little bit more. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, the problem with three was it, it was... It had... Casper um, Van Dien was back in it. And it actually started using some of the stuff from the original book. So I th- I'd hope that maybe it would sort of bring it back a bit. But, but surely you would have been tipped off by the fact that Casper Van Dien... Yeah. I know, and he was hammy and, and rubbish in the first one, but it was kind of in... That's kind well, of yeah, the appeal kind of, of the first one. And that was missing from the second one. And, and I know, get your, your head around this, that's what was wrong with the second one. Yeah. It didn't have... Casper Van Dien in it, and I know that's it's not something that's ever said before. It had no <laughs> put, that, put that on the box. Put that on the box. <laughs> uh, I've I mentioned the dreaded vampire series. I'll mention the other vampire series that I actually really like. It's hardly a series. Well, in, not in movie terms, but in book terms, it's fucking huge. Um, yeah. I like Anne Rice. I like Interview with a Vampire. I like Queen of the Damned and The Body Thief and Memlock the Devil. I do not. The Vampire Lestat. Come into a cinema near I you do soon. not fucking like Queen of the Fucking Dam. That could suck my dick, the piece of shit. And the only fucking reason this movie made it to the fucking big screen, and I, it's the only reason, is because it stars, and I can never pronounce the name right, is it Anya? Anaya? Alia. Alia. The woman who yes. died. Plane crash she was killed in the plane crash. She was good in Romeo Must Die, but in this. Let's put it this way. In that movie, she's good. In this, I watched 20 minutes of this fucking movie and turned it off. Oh, and just point of prayer. How do you go from Tom Cruise playing Lestat to Stuart No Talent Townsend? 
the man that was so bad he was sacked from Lord of the Rings. To be to, to be fair, he wasn't just like so bad. It's just that he wasn't right for the part. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to speak highly of him in retrospect of this movie. He was terrible in this movie. He was yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen him in other films that I've liked him. Like Shooting Fish, he was good. Shooting Fish, Resurrection Man, which wasn't a great mm. film, but he was he was very good in it. Uh, but it was just a bit of a poor film. But but yeah. it is a, it's a weird transition to go yeah. from at the time one of the sexiest, most talked about men in Hollywood to one of the least talked about men in Hollywood. I, I, what do you mean? I wasn't in this film. Well, the, you see, about? the thing is, with the first movie, Interview with a Vampire, it was a big budget Hollywood movie, and it was. Yeah, two of the sexiest, most talked about men in Hollywood. Three, if you count Christian Slater. Four, four, if you count Antonio Banderas. I mean that. I mean, it had Stephen Ray. It had fantastic actors. It's the first appearance of Kirsten Dunst and Stephen Ray. Yep. So, (laughs) just (laughs) Stephen Ray. But uh, maybe it's just because I'm a fan of the series. And when I watched this movie, there's only one word that kept coming into my mind: betrayal. God, it sucked. It's 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 made for stupid little teenage girls. The the film itself and, and the book is definitely not pitched at them. If you've got an extra grind about the Twilight series, watch this film. I will at least agree with it with you guys on that. This is a terrible, vacuous piece of trash and and a perversion of the book. At least the Twilight series are accurate to the books. If you actually want to watch a good vampire movie, watch Interview. It's a good movie. Mm. That's Neil Next. Jordan, right? I'm assuming. It is Neil Jordan. <laughs> Hence Stephen Ray. No one else will hire the bugger. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, uh, next. Okay, I'm going to take you back to a movie that my dad introduced me to when I was 12. It came out in 1986. This movie I love. It's sequel I hate. This is a theme that's running through with sequels. Highlander. I fucking love Highlander. Me too. Guns are coming soon. And then all you have to say <laughs> to me, or any Highlander fan, is Zeist. Zeist. We are aliens from the planet Zeist. Oh my fucking god. That movie never needed a sequel. And trust me, I picked this one because this is the one most people have heard of. I could have picked Endgame, which is shit. Or yeah, I could have. terrible. Or if I. I could have picked The Source, which is. The Sorcerer. Evil. No, Source. Oh, right. It comes after Endgame. It's even worse. I mean, which Endgame. Is the third one. The third one's The Sorcerer. The Sorcerer. Sorcerer, right, okay. Put it this but, way. The one with Mario Van Peebles. That was relatively... That actually got a theatrical release, didn't it? And it was and actually off. good. Was it? Compared to the rest. Relatively. Compared to the rest, trust me. Demacara Unger is hot in it. It's, it's a retelling of the oh, original right, okay. Yes, apparently there was a um, another immortal hidden away in a cave. Which meant that the quicker... It, but once the, once the end of Highlander happens, everything that made sense about that film makes no sense, because they keep trying to, to retcon the, uh, the, the theory behind it. And it's a fucking... I mean, that's, I, I just don't want to go into this. It's just zeist. Really? Really? It's, it's Highlander in the future, and there's a lo- it got rewritten, and it got refilmed, and there's actually a completely different version of it available, the, the Renegade Edition, which takes the alien planet out entirely. I don't know how you can remove that huge element of plot and still have a coherent film. But the first film wasn't, it wasn't coherent in the first place, so maybe that was it. But at least the first film was enjoyable and had a kick-ass No, soundtrack. no, I mean the first, the, the Highlander 2, the Quickening, the first oh, cut, the actual edit of that. It's terrible. Um, uh, and also they bring back Sean Connery for no reason with no explanation and then he goes away again <laughs> just to kill him 
They can bring him back just to kill him. How, how it's bring, bring him back, him back to dead. stick his name on the poster. Actually, I think it's, you'll find that's most likely what the decision was. <laughs> Time trouble. So, yeah. Desperate. Cynical yeah. man, Paul. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm relentlessly cynical. You okay. Uh, we're cynical not cynical. Man. We've watched the damn thing. <laughs> right, Neil, Neil, you've got two and a half minutes to do the third one. All right. The other one's Batman and Robin, but this one. <laughs> this fucking movie I hate. It is just a symbol of everything that is wrong with Hollywood. This takes my childhood, takes things that I love from it, and f***s them right up here. Transformers Dark of the Moon. This one really stretched the line for me. That's the second this movie, one, I'm my- assuming. Okay. That's the third one. Third. Third. Oh, right, okay. Sorry. First one was Revenge. Second one was Revenge of the Oh, right. sorry, my brain isn't working. I apologise. The one without, See, um, this- what's the name? Megan Fox. Fox. Oh, right. Well, that's why I didn't watch it. Yeah, and you wouldn't think you'd miss Megan Fox in a movie, but they're replaced with her, her with someone who's so more vacuous and uninteresting. It's unbelievable. This movie asks you to do the impossible. For a start, it wants you to feel sympathy for Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> no. He has a supermodel girlfriend, a house that he apparently, oh, uh, apartment that he doesn't apparently have to pay for, and where men to feel sorry because he's whining that he can't get a f- job. Sounds like he doesn't really need one. He doesn't. And, like, he constantly berates the Transformers. This is the thing I don't get with this whole Transformers trilogy as it stands at the minute is, we want to see the Transformers fight. Michael Bay seems to think we want to see the human beings. No, we don't. We want to see big-ass robots hit each other in cool and interesting ways by 19 minutes. Did you not not get enough of that in the first two films? Robots hitting each other was all that was in those films. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a, a, maybe Dark of the Moon has way too much sort of human stuff in it. Or maybe that's the problem. I don't. Well, all these movies, and I blame Spielberg for this. Spielberg's in for the first movie was It's a Boy in His Car, which you didn't need. It's You could tell these stories so many different ways. The only high point of this entire movie is the fact that it was the last one from Bay, from Buck, and hopefully we'll get a new director and new stars, and maybe... Just maybe, it'll be fairly good. Oh, and do I even have to mention the fact they piss on the Star Trek 2 line? Oh, yes. Thank you. Completely ignoring the fact that Leonard Nimoy's already voiced Galvatron in Transformers. Like, someone may have mentioned that halfway through filming and Bay went, really? (laughs) I I don't know dick about these things. What? The only talent Michael Bay has is for cinematography. They look great. His movies look great. But these are just genetic... I mean... When they're fighting, how many, how, unless it's Optimus Prime or maybe Bumblebee, you can't tell who the f*** is who. The Decepticons all look like the same. The Autobots all look the same. It's just so annoying. And 150 minutes, it hurt my brain. Are you going to be doing this the entire time when we do the Gonzo Transformers battles? You might not want me to have one or you'll hear me in the corner. Go, you. <laughs> I, I don't understand how Shia LaBeouf can be such a charisma vacuum but he is and he still gets employed you better not play Drake I've heard rumblings about that no way you know the only one movie one movie I like Shia LaBeouf in is Eagle Eye and it's not that good okay so you don't like Shia LaBeouf much <laughs> I don't like Shia LaBeouf I don't like Michael Bay I especially hate Aaron Kruger who wrote this abominable piece of sh- you're not a fan, then, I'm taking it. This is my understanding. For what, for what I'm interpreting, 
I didn't mind the first yeah, one. I quite, I quite enjoyed the first one. The second one was bleh, and I didn't bother seeing the third one. So it sounds to me like I've, I've done, I've done the right thing. Well, just that the underlying racism and sexism in these movies is beyond a joke. I mean, everyone remembers the twins, and you know, what? thank fuck, not in this movie. Sexism? Whatever do you mean? He said, staring at me as the film sort of the camera sort of leers all over Megan Fox in the first two films. <laughs> it is, oh, no, it no, is no, quite no. hilarious. I mean, I, this movie beats that. Not... This movie beats that. The first introduction you get to uh, the new bird, yeah, Rosie is, Huntington um... Whiteley or something. Who is? Mm. Is that her name? Something yep, like that. Yeah. yeah. Is a big full on shot of her ass walking up some stairs. In 3D. In 3D. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kermos described these uh, films as being basically shot in, in the manner of. Whoa, 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 look at that. They should have got, got, da- got Darren to be, to be the. Whoa, all the, all the, like, <laughs> 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 yeah, the, the. And the biggest thing that pisses me off is they treat the audience like idiots. So I they're marketing to it. children. They got the kiddies buying the plastic toys. Uh, they're treating the adult males like drooling perverts. And uh, fair, that looks accurate. The women can all I go to hell. In fairness, Megan Fox is, is poor. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is how bad I think this movie is. I would rather watch Showgirls. So would I. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth Berkeley, outstanding. <laughs> And it killed her career, <laughs> okay. unfortunately. Now, the, it, oh, she was in Roger Dodger, which was an excellent film. Yes, with, yes, uh, yes. With, um, Jesse Eisenberg and... Jesse Campbell Eisenberg Scott. and uh, Campbell Scott, who is in the new Spider-Man film as Peter Parker's father. Interesting yeah, well, everyone, everyone who goes, oh, yeah, Jesse Eisenberg is Michael Sarah part two, version two, can <laughs> right off. Watch yeah. Roger Dodger. Watch Roger Dodger. He was doing it beforehand. Shut up after that please so uh, yeah. the first thing to say is that as I said before this isn't a film you have to understand it as an industrial moment 3D's going down the toilet this is the sort of the death throw you know as Rome was about to collapse the Colosseum games got more and more absurd and they started filling the Colosseum with uh, water and getting ships in and tying people to masts and you know, go, because Basically, this is what happens when civilizations are about to collapse. In the case of Transformers 3, we all know that 3D is going down the pan. So this is the well, we last. Don't, but you keep telling fine. us. Fine, okay. Not we'll, quite we'll, the same. Well, we'll have this conversation in a year's time. But this is the this is the raving death row. As far as Transformers 2 is concerned, what happened was I said it's horrible, overlong, stupid, vulgar, crass, misogynistic, and all that stuff. And everyone went, "Oh, you're just being a critic. Oh, you're just being a critic. Stop complaining about it." A couple of years later, everyone accepts that that was right, including the people that made the film. Shia LaBeouf said, "Yeah, we let people down. We're not very proud of it." Michael. Bay himself used the word crap in relation to it. So I'm sorry, I'd like a written apology right now for the fact that I was right back then two years ago. And when all the whinging happens now, people go, oh, critics, critics complaining about Transformers 3, critics complaining about Transformers 3. In two years' time, can I have the same written apology when you've all accepted that th- what this the is... The people who disagree with you all talk like that. They all talk like that. That's how it works. Shia LaBeouf, the charisma vacuum, doesn't act, but he has a problem, which is that... In the scenes in which he's interacting with CGI robots from another planet that doesn't exist who aren't there, he's kind of, he does it, gets away with it. The big problem with it is, is that for most of the movie, he's saddled with Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. And this brings us on to the third issue, which is the sexualization of what is basically a kid's toy. And it is the most pernicious and most problematic thing about the Transformers franchise. Essentially, you know, Transformers, robots in disguise, kids' toys, kids' cars that turn into robots. Fine. Now, what Michael Bay does is Michael Bay has a pornographic sensibility. I said this before. If Michael Bay wasn't one of the most successful directors in the world, that's what he'd be doing. And he describes his visual style as, and I'm going to, as fruitcaking the frame. That's his 
phrase, not mine. Obviously, the word fruitcaking. You've uh, you you Thank you've you. uh, you've just uh, changed so it. So in the part in the in the past we had this transformative, thing, but there was all the Megan Fox stuff and lots of shots of Megan Fox's bottom. In number two, she was introduced as a shot of her bending over a car. And what eight what eight what? Now Megan Fox is out of the picture because Megan Fox apparently likened Michael Bay to Hitler, and apparently this caused them to say, you know what, let's not work with her anymore. We now have Rosie Huntington Whiteley, who is a uh, I mean, whereas Megan Fox was a you know pants actress, she's a pants model who we met doing a Victoria's Secret commercial and who is literally introduced by a shot looking upstairs, which she's walking up, of her bottom. And it's like the camera actually goes, you remember the bottom we had in the first two movies? Unfortunately, that bottom called the director Hitler. But here's another one. It's exact, look, it's exactly the same, but it probably won't make the same slur about the director. So we, we literally introduce character shot, and it's always very important the way people are introduced. We are introduced with a shot of her bottom, and that tells you what you need to know about. That's how she's been cast, because her role in the movie is to be... The, you know, the walking bottom that Shia LaBeouf has meant to have a relationship with. There's also a line, what happened to the old girlfriend? Oh, she left. But this one, she's the one. Okay, because her bottom's exactly the same. That's fine. So that's how we understand she's her role. She's the walking bottom, that's the... There is okay. a scene in the film in which uh, <laughs> Rosie Huntington Whiteley stands next to a car and a character player, Patrick Dempsey, goes, look at the curves on that, eh? Whoa, look at the curves on that, whoa! Look at the body on that curves, whoa! And, it's, and so Michael Bay is going, look, hey, whoa! Hey, cars, whoa! Rosie Huntington, whoa! There are uh, shots of her getting out of cars which have that paparazzi upskirt angle, as I believe it's referred to in the popular tabloid press. So what you have is Bay essentially going, we're taking this franchise, we are d pushing the bounds as far as we can in terms of sort of, you know, the leery pornographic sense, because basically what you all know is women are, are, are cars and toy, they're all the same thing, right? They're all just things to be leered at and played with and what, hey, what, hey, what? Now, worse than that, worse, worse, worse than, you know, you, the, the uh, the, the sort of the pornographization of all this stuff. Michael Bay thinks he has a sense of humor. What's the essence of comedy? Ask me what the essence of comedy is. I know this joke, but yeah. I'll do it. I say, Mark. Timing. Okay? Nobody, exactly, nobody who does a 60-minute battle sequence has a sense of timing, okay? Michael Bay may be a lot of things, but a comedian is not one of them, and yet somehow he does believe that he's funny. So, the characters, the funny characters, the parents making the jokes about self-abuse, they're back. The small little robots who in the last movie were accused of being borderline racist, they're back doing their, you know, comic witty stuff. We've got, you know, the, the, Scots, the Scots robot who seems to be constantly angry, the Irish robot who seems to be constantly drunk. We've got the character who's a bit European, so therefore he's a bit light on his feet, maybe. We've got, it's like, and these are Michael, so not only is Michael Bay doing essentially a softcore sex film, what he's doing is a softcore soft sex comedy. Interesting industrial point. The most successful 3D movie ever made in terms of money spent and money made back is from the late 1960s, early 1970s, called The Stewardesses. Tagline, these leggy lovelies leap off the screen and into your lap, okay? And it is a softcore sex comedy in 3D. Michael Bay isn't making Avatar. He's making The Stewardesses. The difference is Stewardesses cost about £100,000. This costs something like £250 million. I can't hold much of this post down. There is an awesome film <laughs> rubbish <laughs> electra is worse rubbish of course it's worse daredevil's pants but electra is soiled pants <laughs> <laughs> okay that is all for us this week gentlemen please pimp your shows well i'm the uh, co-host of dork tunes uh podcast about video game music which you can find over at spong.com um in theory fortnightly but it's not um <laughs> uh yeah so you can find me over at spong.com 
Okay, Neil. You can find me over at gamebus.co.uk where we bring you the weekly gaming news, a roundtable debate, a replay show, and of course our monthly quiz as well. And well, quite often I'm here as well on Digital Gonzo, apparently. Because <laughs> I've watched too many movies. Indeed. It is your crime, it is also your punishment. Yeah, my punishment soon in a couple of days is Double Dragon. <sighs> You're still on that one. Life's too short, man. Just just give it up. I have to. Just, just watch The Station Agent. It's awesome. Yeah, do that. Josh. Um, you can find me over at caneandrince.com. Uh, it's a podcast where we choose to focus on one game or a, maybe another one every week, and we do an in-depth analysis of that game. Uh, we also have interesting articles about games and games culture on our website. And Paul, anything you want to pimp? You can find me on Twitter. I'm Plexure on Twitter. That's about it. And once again, if you love the show, then show the love. All iTunes ratings and reviews gratefully received. And remember, doing so will bring others in to warm themselves by the campfire of geekdom that is Gonzo Planet. So that's about all from us this week. We will be back next week with a double bill of the Performance Capture 2009 version of A Christmas Carol and Muppets Christmas Carol. That's all this week from Digital Gonzo. Love hate but most of all think and fuck you michael bay (laughs) set up the mics turn up the volume everybody present say here when i call you schaefer yep beef hello bought three movie tickets got the front row act one howard plucky heroes hometown middle americana not a problem to be found a single dad of one son with a dog just trying his best to make ends meet as a disaster scientist one day he stumbles upon some horrifying evidence our hero decides i must inform the president even though you seem to know exactly what you talk about i don't think at this point in the plot i am gonna hear you out washington's in fallout can't return to my home the slash floods earthquakes i pick up the red phone you get this ragtag team made of washed up marines the dr jenny marie she studies weather extreme it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster act two molten lava is chasing them around big blue bolts of lightning spring up from underground but our hero and his team have some hope for a cure if we can just get this crew into the center of the earth we can install a nuclear device and detonate it my findings indicate that this will save off devastation i might have given in to my pride that is my sin but take this check and shake my hand because you can always trust the white skin sir you won't regret it launch your finest satellite arm it with the laser cannon aimed upon the blast site to activate the nuke but the clock is counting down we need to act fast as our time is running out meanwhile hurricanes tidal waves floods sun flares cause it to seem to rain blood the president just got crushed by an asteroid and the plucky hero's son run faster boy it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster last act sun makes it dog does it may be stacked against the team they discuss it. A last-ditch effort hangs heavy on our hero's mind. Blowing up the planet is the only hope for humankind. And to his leading lady, there is something I must say. Hey, you and me, Kuwait, I want to have another yesterday. Sources say the Kremlin can take us into orbit. Go to space, fix the lasers in the Earth, we can't restore it. That's it? A crazy plan, but we have to try. The time is nigh, gather up supplies, we must survive. We head out for Russia in a little rowboat. Get menace 
by glaciers almost bite it but go at the last moment a decision to be made there's the love of the boy only one can get saved if he thinks too long whole globe is in peril if you don't shed a tear at the end your heart's sterile it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster it's a disaster whenever you got three nerd rappers it's a disaster So what'd you guys think? I think that was not a good movie. Wrong. It ruled my new all-time favorite movie ever. How could you possibly Just think that? Just awful. It was a little effects-heavy, but a very smart script. Well-acted, plausible. It was a preposterous Abysmal. film. It was asinine. It was other big words for bad. I want my 14 bucks back. You didn't, you didn't pay for the ticket. I don't know why I saw it two times before this. Oh, last point. Oh. Michael Bay wrote a letter to projectionists, right? Dear projectionist, this movie is very important. Now, does in, he have this pompous style of speaking? In American. In the past, Stanley Kubrick used to write to, to projectionists. There's a lovely letter been doing, circulating recently from Stanley Kubrick saying, we spent all this time making Barry Lyndon. The costumes, the lighting, you know, the candlelight. We got lenses from NASA. We, you know, the set design, the mise-en-scene, all this stuff. Now it's in your hands. It's very important to you. Please check the focus is right. Please check the framing is right. If you get an, an LP to play in the middle of the interval, please only play side two because side one's got some repeated cues. Please bear in mind that there are little dots and why they're wrong on reel three and handing it all over, right? Michael Bay writes a letter to projectionist. It goes like this. Dear projectionist, you spent loads of money putting this equipment in. Turn it up bright! And you go, and with that, I give you my leave because that is the end point. You start with Stanley Kubrick writing to projectionists, asking them to be soft with the focus, and you end up with Michael Bay telling them to turn up to 11 because they spent so much money putting the stuff in. And you know what, Michael? When you get to the multiplexes, there ain't going to be any projectionists to read your letter because they've all lost their jobs due to the miracle of digital projection, which came about thanks to the miracle of 3D. Thank you.